What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Happy Wednesday! Emma's got a new hairdo, and you are in for a great show of your welcome. I gotta tell you guys, I'm still wondering, are we gonna see John Jones fight in 2022? My answer is coming up at the end of the show, but I also wanna hear from you. And before that, I'm gonna tell you what's on the line between Cheeto Vera and Dominic Cruz this Saturday, who I think Conor McGregor should fight next and more. And to begin the show, I want to tell you something stupid that Jake Paul's team did. Jake Paul stepped forward and paid everybody on the card half of their show money. Now, how accurate anything that I just said is, don't hold it against me. I'm as good as the information that I'm being given, and this is the story going around on Twitter right now. Jake Paul has taken the entire card who largely in this industry has two different incentives. You have what's called your show money, which is what you get to show up, and then you have a win bonus. So everybody on the undercard, I don't know how many fights that was. That's going to be roughly 10 fights, which makes for 20 people excluding himself. He's basically given out 19 checks. Was that the right move? Do you guys think that was a cool move? And I imagine that you do. The few of you that know the story, I just did my level best as professional to tell it to you. I'm not even positive I'm right, which is one of the key reasons that this was a really bad move. When you treat people as though you're your partners, right? It's got to be one or the other. Jay Paul is not doing that to be nice. If he was doing it to be nice, we wouldn't have heard about it. That's how good deeds are done. That's how good gestures are done. You ever see the guy goes down to Skid Row and he's handing out sandwiches? But then he brought his buddy to film it and he puts out on his social media. They did right. I mean, it kind of takes away. So if Jake is attempting to buy something for goodwill, is his bang worth his buck? No, this was a bad move. This, this is money not well spent. Don't forget, he's attempting to do right by a community that just burned him twice. It's the same community that just burned him twice. And, and how do you come to the figure that I'm going to give you half of what your show money is? I mean, there's not a single fighter that's going to be there and say thank you as opposed to wondering why they didn't get the entire thing. There's not going to be a single one. So right there's your first problem. Moreover, how do you get to that deduction? How does the co-main event end up with a six-figure gift and the guy jerking the curtain at the front of the night is going to get a four-figure gift? If you were to put them as to why the co-main gets half a, half a million dollars and the guy starting the night is getting 500 bucks, if you were to do it, that, that would be very easy to explain because of their notoriety, because of their experience, because of how much they could bring in. I understand all of those things. That's not what happened here. Nobody's notoriety. Nobody brought in anything. You're basing on what is the right thing to do for people that were counting on a paycheck and had a training camp. For somebody who were expecting something that you put your name on, got to take care of their trainers, their cutmen, their coaches, their gyms, do all of those things make perfectly good sense. I think that it's, it's a very sweet thing to do, but they're all dead even. 
Which is why if you came in and gave everybody on the card 10 grand, you're paying a fraction of what you actually paid, you're getting the same goodwill, and you're actually covering the deeds that you set out to do. As opposed to rewarding a community who has done such a poor job of thanking him or spreading the goodwill that he was hoping to buy that I don't even know that I've got the story right when I'm telling it to you and it's my job to know. I've looked for this and re-looked for this. I can't get the people on the card to tell the same story, right? Jake's not handing that money out. This wasn't to be nice. That is what you do quietly. That is what you, you go and you wire to a guy's account. When you do it and you make it public, you're trying to buy some. I mean, I, I realize that I'm being a little bit redundant here, but there's still a question, was that the right move? No, it was not the right move. It was frivolous with your money. Are these your partners or not? Do they work for you or are you all partners? The boss is whoever's writing the check. Simple as that. I get in situations all the time where somebody wants to be the boss. They try to throw that. Are you writing the check? Well, no, I'm not. Then you're not the boss. Zip it. It was very sweet and kind of Jake, but I am talking about an industry that has standards. There are mistakes that are made all the time. There has been a number of good men that have stepped into this space with the right intentions. And they thought they were going to do something different. They thought they were going to disrupt the space. They were going to be the right one. It's a really weird spot that Jake's finding himself. And I'm not here to second guess Jake. And I, of course, don't begrudge anybody that got those checks. This is really good. I'm taking it from a different perspective. We can all sit around and give, give a silent round of applause and act like that was the right thing. And we, we all would have done that. At the same time, there was a box office that was reported waiting for a million dollars. Now, MSG disputes that and says it was going to be a top 10 draw in the last decade and a half. That's a quote by MSG. But we're hearing haters say that he had a million dollars waiting for him and just to rent the building is going to cost half of that. Is there any part of you guys that have a problem with that math? Because when that rumor came out, I, I have been stunned how many of you jumped on that bandwagon to say, well, it's a half a million dollars to rent MSG and he's only got a million dollars in ticket sales. I'll take that deal all day if you don't want it, please. Please find me as many of those opportunities for me to give you a half a million dollars and you return a million dollars to me, please. For all of you that, that think that that's silly or think that that's bad, that there's a conspiracy or that you've really th seen through, please bring me those offers. I'll go two for one all day. But I am wondering how long Jake is going to go down the road getting bad advice from the wrong people. There was plenty of time. To do it. The moment that you cancel this is the moment that you make this announcement. There was time. There was back and forth. There was meetings with people. Somebody thought this was good. Whoever advised him to pay half of the purse, that guy's got to go. That's just simply not how this is done. You're all in this together. It can't just be the front man that put all the ideas out, who's just lost million dollars in marketing and now has to cover the purse. That's why, I mean, it just can't be that way. And I know we love to put out this narrative that it's about the fighters and without the fighters and none of us have anything. What about the building? What about the guy that was going to work security that night? What about the good men and women that were going to clean it up? What about the good women and women that, that were going to pop the popcorn and heat up the hot dogs, put the ice in the cups, put soft drinks on top of that? They're all out of night of work. Are we going to go around and give everybody 50% of what they could have got? No, of course not. We're not going to, none. Lights, cameras, action. What about all the people that come into this? What about the valet? I mean, I, I could go on and on to the distributions and the networks The guy that already printed up the t-shirts and was hoping to sell those out there on 6th Avenue. We're not going around and giving them all half. We're going to kick the can. We're all going to take this thing together. 
We're going to find some other place. We're going to fill this up. And all the people that I promised to fight that I was going to put on the car, I'm still going to come through with that. I'm just going to have to do it on another night because I got burned by the first ever actual boxer that I tried to do business with. There is one human being. There is one human being. It's not Top Raman's grandfather. It's not Top Raman's mother. It's not Top Raman's father. It's not one of Top Raman's brothers. There's one human being alive. Whoever said to Top Raman, I'm going to give you a million dollars. I am going to make you a millionaire. I am going to make you a star on top of it. That person that said those words to Raman is public enemy number one of Raman. Raman is coming down on Jake. He's attempting to bury Jake. He's doing all these negative things to Jake. He's doing these things to the one person who ever said the most beautiful words he's ever heard, which is, I'm going to make you a millionaire and a star to boot. That's the industry that Jake is finding himself in, and he's getting terrible advice. Amanda who is Jake's own girl. She came out, she tried to defend him. She said something beautiful on Twitter. She said, these things happen all the time. I'm with the right team. Everything's great. Now, that was very nice of her to say. It's a very sweet sentiment. I have been following this sport longer than she's doing it. I don't know of a car this has ever happened to. I don't care if you're talking about your YMCA, your local pal club down at the dog park. If you know a show and it got canceled on boxing, go ahead and include it on the list. I, of course, am speaking to anything that was televised and scheduled for pay-per-view. In my history of following this sport, which began when I was nine years of old and on memory like a steel trap, there has never been a boxing pay-per-view canceled. Feel free to correct me. Amanda says in this industry, it happens all the time. That's an exact quote from her. It's a very sweet thing for her to defend her guy. Is that true? Is there anyone that's going to level with Jake Paul? Is there anybody that's going to be straight with him here? including the fans on social media who he apparently listens to that buy the stories, didn't come and buy tickets to the event. I get that that's back and forth. But that thing either had great sales like MSG says it had or it didn't. It's one of the two and he would know the answer. That's the very community that you're attempting to appease. Is there anything that that community has done, including advisement, that has served you? I'm asking the simple question. I don't have the answer. Paying half the card, making... I, the, the whole thing's weird. It's not sustainable. You cannot go around doing that. Making it in this space in the first place is very rare. There are five human beings alive that have put money into combat and come out with an ROI, just so you understand that. Everybody becomes a fight expert. There's five people walking this earth of 7 billion men who have put money into combat and got a return on their investment. There's certain things that you just can't do and there's certain people that you just can't listen to. It's not sustainable. And I only come at you like this because I want it to work. I don't think that Jake did anything wrong. I think that Jake did everything right. I think this is very kind. I do think he deserves a pat on the back. That, that was a massively stand-up thing to do to pay everybody on the undercard. But as much as I'm sitting over and telling you, first off, it's not sustainable, so it's foolish. Second, you're now their boss, you're not their partner, so we just made that really clear. How are we getting to the deduction of half? What is it that the person that was going to be fourth on the card did leading up to this that the person that was going to jerk the curtain at the beginning of the night didn't do? And now you run into a problem. See, now people are being scumbags. Now you're looking a gift horse in the mouth.
The number one thing that I would never do and I have never done to anybody that's ever been nice to me as I'm attempting to regurgitate this piece and tell it for you, I'm having to do it. It's the way that it works. None of them are going to be grateful. None of them are going to have your back in the future. And now you just went in the dirt X amount of money. It's not sustainable, which is why you can't do it. And whoever advised you to do it has got to go. So a guy who knows a thing or two about boxing is named Conor McGregor. And for the past year, I've been talking a lot about McGregor's next opponent. And finally, the perfect name has come to me. Dan Hooker. Guys, the fight to make is Dan Hooker versus Conor McGregor. And if that fight got made, and I realize it, I realize you guys don't hate that fight right now. I just realize that, yeah, I chill. I if that fight got made, okay, you would be so grateful. You would come back to me. You would say, Chael, you called it. That was two months of fun. That fight was amazing. Hooker versus McGregor. That is the fight to make. Now, set that aside. I'm actually not here to talk about that at all. I'm here to tell Dan Hooker's fun, and then he's also funny, and then he's also smart. Now, Hooker just did an interview. He called out Tony Ferguson. After he calls out Tony Ferguson, he does another interview where that interviewer is asking him about the interview that he did where he called out Tony Ferguson. Why'd you call out Tony? Dan tells the truth. So we're in the same spots in our career. You know, I learned something about myself. I really like picking fights. My coaches don't necessarily like it. I really enjoy going to the internet and picking a fight. And they go, we well, said you're going to break his face. Why, why'd you say that? And he goes, because that's how you pick a fight. Now his honor is on the line. He either steps forward or I've challenged his entire honor. I mean, it was just one of these funny things. Somebody challenged Dan Hooker. I can't remember who it was, but I think it was like Michael Johnson. He goes, well, hey, I'll meet you in the middle. I'll see you in Abu Dhabi. And Dan's response was, do people in America not take geography lessons? Abu Dhabi is not in the middle of New Zealand and America. It's further. So as soon as he said that, I quit listening to him. This is just what he said. This is, that's funny. That is funny and entertaining stuff. And he truly does not care who he fights or when he fights them. I mean, he's done this gimmick down at 45. He's gone up to 55. He's taken on top guys. I still remember his fight with Dustin Poirier, which was as close and as good of a fight as that's ever taken place. And I do mean ever has taken place. A lot of people thought he won, including a judge. But I'm just sharing with you. If you want to know how good Hooker is, Poirier is number five guy. I apologize. Poirier was just the champion of the world. Hooker was the number five guy in the world. Hooker is in the absolute elite echelons. He fights as dangerous as you can fight. He's going to fall down at times. There's nothing you can do about that. He is as stubborn as Cody Garbrandt. You can't get him to not want to go and do that. He would rather be shut off just to have the opportunity to shut you off, right? It's just one of these guys. Hooker versus McGregor. I don't want you guys to look away from that. Now, Hooker was also talking about Islam. I shared with you guys the other day, right, for my two loyal listeners here, one thing that gets me, me, Chael the fan, is when there's a fight, and I think I know how it's going to go, and the boys from the locker room start speaking up. The boys in the very same division who study these two competitors every single day and think about them come to a conclusion adverse to mine. That makes me listen. 
and Hooker, who has the right to an opinion, who was ranked number five in the weight class, is saying, I'm a little surprised that Islam's getting the opportunity to fight Ferguson for a belt right now. He went further. He said, Islam is coming off of back-to-back, stylistic, very good matchups on short notice. That's interesting. It's interesting because it's true. When Islam fought Bobby Green and we all got really excited for it, there is a truth that that was on short notice. Islam's opponent after that, of which I cannot recall, was on short notice. And Dan has been in there with Islam. It was just an interesting opinion. He didn't even pick Tony. Or I apologize, Charles. He didn't say Islam couldn't win. He just made an observation. Now, guys, is he right? Like, if Islam was named anything other than Islam Makhlchev, would he be getting the shot? If Islam did not have the blessing as the heir apparent to the throne by King Khabib, would he be getting the shot? I think so. I do think so. He's like 15 and one. And I don't believe that that one was even within the UFC. And I've had people crap. I know I go back and forth on this. I just can't remember off the top of my head. It's damn near perfect. He's won eight or nine in a row. I think so. He was in a number one contenders match. I can't co-sign the idea that this is ridiculous. When you have a guy who is 15 and one, who is the heir apparent to the king, he's going to get special for sure. But when you dismiss him as though this is home cooking, guys, he was in. It was signed. It was done. And nobody pushed back. A number one contenders match with Darush. Darush didn't show up. Islam's last man standing makes him a number one contender. I'm just reminding you of that. Just reminding in case you think this is real home cooking and this isn't right and this isn't the right guy. Well, you didn't complain it was a number one contenders match, which is the next closest thing. Shevchenko also waited on this, said she could not believe Charles Oliveira was the underdog. She does not see that. She went down to break down the fight ever so slightly, but that's still powerful to me. I think I know what I'm looking at. You guys think you know what you're looking at, but we're fair enough to know that Shevchenko's opinion is going to come from an understanding greater than ours. We may not like to admit that. It might affect our egos, but we're still going to know it. And Shevchenko has come to the conclusion that Tony Charles has the upper hand. Interesting. Charles is for sure more dynamic. No question. But dynamic has always been believed and even falsely believed to be the more important, to be the well-rounded fighter. There was an era of that. It came right after Marco Huaz. It spun over to Don Fry. Don was a college wrestler, but he did knock at people out with his hands. Had some kind of a judo brag. I mean, it's one of those things where this all around, this complete athlete came in. And so there was a cup of coffee where the more well-rounded fighter was real. But you got you to be a fan way back in 98, in 97. That theory was gone by the turn of the century. I mean, I'm only bringing that to you. Israel Adesanya, who's as dominant as anybody there is, does all of his work and scores all of his points in one dimension, which is on his feet. Khabib, who lost the fewest rounds of any champion in history, pushed everyone in the fence, took him down, bludgeoned or submitted from there. 
I mean, you could really play that game. Th this theory of the well-rounded, this theory of the dynamic fighter. I don't know that there's an actual reality to that, to them being better than a specialist. Feel free to disagree. But many people that are looking at this fight are taking Charles, including Charles. But many other people are saying, look, Charles has been hurt in every fight that he's had. Charles almost lost too, and that's true. That is true. Charles got knocked down against Gaethje. Charles almost lost to Chandler. Referee was one second away. Charles was in trouble with Poirier. I don't fault him for that. I compliment him for that. I love a guy that could deal with adversity. I love a guy that says to hell with it and figures out and could get it done. I'm not putting him down. I'm just sharing with you that there is dialogues going back and forth. And this fight, especially for me, was very uninteresting. It was very underwhelming until Charles's match with Gaethje. Now, all of a sudden, that changes. But my anticipation that's growing for this fight, not to mention my prediction of who's going to win, I have from Jump Street believed Islam will take him down and keep him there for 25 straight minutes. Other people who have the right to an opinion are seeing something different. And before you know it, and as the conversation continues to grow, it has become one of the most interesting and sought after matches of 2022. So before Oliveira and Islam duke it out at UFC 280, we got Diaz and Chemayev going at it in September. George Masvidal, who has been on a little bit of a silent streak lately, spoke up with some thoughts on this matchup. George Masvidal weighed in on Chemayev Diaz. Masvidal took Diaz. They didn't only take Diaz, took Diaz by stoppage. Not only took Diaz by stoppage because that's his former opponent. He was paying some homage to him. Said that he's not sold on Chemayev. Said something along the lines of, I'm a, I'm a, I've got, I got to see it to believe it kind of guy. I haven't seen anything special from him yet. Now, that's interesting to me. That's very interesting. George Masvidal, who is the BMF, Shemaev, who has everything that you would need to qualify to go into the category of BMF content. I mean, that's just interesting. Those two want to cross paths. I'm all for it. But I don't know if that's what this is. The interview did not feel as though Masvidal was calling out Shemaev. It felt as though he was a fan who was making an observation He's got extreme familiarity with one of the guys, which is Nate. He's got an outsider's familiarity with Chemayev, and he was making his pick. But is there more to it? I mean, what do you guys think? Is there more to it? Again, I love this backup routine. I am trying not to come to you guys to talk to you every day about how much I like the backup. And if this guy wants to do it, then let's get him to be the backup. I, I, get, the, I get the redundancy. I do. Masvidal want to be the backup. I mean, it's one of those things. Does Masvidal want to be the backup? That card is very interesting. You guys watch Jesse on Fire? Jesse on Fire put out a clip, and he was talking about the UFC's frustration with Nate. That the entire Nate versus Chemayev is due to a frustration that the UFC has that Nate is saying thank you and goodbye. If you look at the card, and I have, I have literally looked at it. I've screenshotted it. I sent it to my partner, Ryan. We then discussed it. 
I have the foggiest idea of anybody that's on the card. I'm not trying to be a jerk. And I know how condescending, I don't even know their names. I, I, I get it. I had people say it about me. It has nothing to do with their skill set. I'm sharing for you in a star-driven business and pay-per-view, which is a star-driven model. I do not know a single human that's on the card that I looked at, studied, screenshot, and discussed. I, that's just that, even a memory issue. Just a memory of, oh yeah, there's this guy named Melendez on the, I, I have the foggiest idea. Why is that? Pay-per-view with no number one contender bout and no championship match. No personal grudge. I'm just sharing for you to Jesse's point. When's the last time we've ever seen that? A non-title fight pay-per-view that doesn't even have a supporting cast. When is the last time that we've seen that? Now, Jesse had a hypothesis. He said that that furthers his initial premise that this is all being done out of anger. That Nathan Diaz, who gets participation on the back end through pay-per-view points, now has the card sabotage. Now, nobody over at the UFC is looking to sail one in. But if you do look at the evidence, you can't look at Jesse's point and say, well, there's nothing here. That evidence alone, right? There's something interesting going on. And I go through that entire diatribe, not to put down the card. I go through that diatribe to tell you and to reinforce how important it is that that main event stays intact. If that main event is removed, the co-main cannot slide up to the main and everybody else moves forward one spot. And the third fight down becomes the co-main, not on pay-per-view. I mean, it was... No, just no, that can't happen. And you know, there's these killers that we've got in this sport. Absolute killer. You go see the guy you've never seen before. It turns out he's from Dagestan. Khabib's in his corner. He's under 170 pounds. And oh, by the way, he's 17 and 0. You know, those guys just keep popping up. Even though you're not familiar with them, you see their resume. Oh, okay. There's something special about to happen here. That's also not what's on this card. It's a very interesting one. Everything I just said wasn't to put anything down. But I will back Jesse on the point. If they lose their main event, you lose the entire event. Make no mistake. Which would come back to what I was going to say about George Masvidal, to put him in that position. George appears to be wanting to fight. He's not getting one. Masvidal is a massive star, and he's not getting matched up. Colby is not even being discussed for matches. The last time we've heard Colby Covington's name said for a match was the day before Chemayev fought Gilbert Burns when Dana popped onto Pat McAfee and said the winner of that draws into Covington for the Long Island card, of which is a month behind us. So I have to, I, I have to be left with the idea that Colby and George are being held out until whatever it is they have going on, until that gets done. But I don't have any proof of that. Matter of fact, Dana was asked about it. He said, no, that's not the case. Whatever they got going won't stop them from competing. But neither guy has been booked. I think it's a great spot. Masvidal isn't going to love that he's being put in a backup position. He's not going to love that he's the sitting reigning BMF, one of the top pay-per-view draws in the company, and he's being put in a backup. I get that. I get that. But it's a pretty good spot. And everything is comparatively, right? Was that sandwich good? Well, compared to the sandwich I had yesterday, yes, it was, right? Everything in life is comparative. 
Is that guy a good wrestler? Well, compared to the other guys, yes, he won the tournament, right? Compared to George sitting around doing nothing with having no hope, no motivation, no drive, no finish line, those things are really important. Been fighting as long as George Masvidal, you need some of those things. No matter what your level of discipline is, no matter how bad you want it, you need some of those built-in mechanisms. Here's when camp starts. Here's when the competition is. Here's where your weight needs to be. I think it's a better spot. He didn't open right a pine for it. But it's George Masvidal. If he gets offered that, he's not backing down. That would mean he's backing down from Chemayev, who he just called out, or he's backing down from Diaz, who he's already contested with. It's one of those things. I think it's interesting. I think it's important. I don't know if I've ever seen a card in history since we've been doing the backup fighter, which is only about a five-year experiment, but I don't know that I've seen a card since we started that experiment that is more paramount that the main event stay intact than this one. And George Masvidal waiting in the wings might be the perfect answer. So I'm going to close out the show by talking about John Jones' next fight. But before I get there, we have a fantastic men's bantamweight event this weekend between Cheeto Vera and Dominic Cruz. And this matchup has a lot on the line. I want to talk about it. Dominic Cruz did an interview two months ago, possibly three. It was a program called Wrestling Changed My Life Podcast. It's actually called that. It's not a podcast called Wrestling Changed My Life. The name of it is Wrestling Changed My Last Podcast. I'm telling you that in case you want to go look for it. It was the most interesting interview that Dominic has ever done. Because there's certain things that we don't talk about. There's certain things within the business, if you're here long enough, that you learn that we don't talk about publicly. And whatever mood they caught Dominic in, Dominic talked. And Dominic kept talking. And you, you'd only know what to listen for if you were in the know. It was just a great interview, though. It was a great interview. One thing that he talked about is his own approach. And his own approach when he gets a call from Sean Shelby is just simply, he doesn't care about what the opponent does. He doesn't care a southpaw and orthodox. And he, where does this fight take me? Where do I go? For, I'll go do the match, but it has to have meaning. There has to be a meaning. It has to move me forward. That's how he would pick how he does fights. And I know that's simple. I know that that makes sense. But some guys don't have a strategy at all. They don't have any kind of approach. Phone rings, pull a name out of a hat. Dominic shared what his was. Now, a number of fights ago, was it three fights ago for Dominic Cruz? He's going into the ring, and John Anik announces on the broadcast that Dominic Cruz has never lost a fight that wasn't for a world championship. I have followed Dominic's career. He's a personal friend. I did not know that. Dominic Cruz has never lost a fight that was not for the belt. Wow. John Jones can't say that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very big claim. Okay. So we got a very meaningful guy who three fights ago was relocated to the undercard. Important to know. Important to know. He went from a world title fight to jerking the curtain to a younger kid, which history says is going to beat him. And a lot of oddsmakers did too. 
Dominic was dominant. He looked great. He's back up to the main card. Now he's back up to a main event. So it's an interesting spot. What do you do with Dominic Cruz? Numbers don't lie. The years are going by. The surgeries have taken place. Some bitch keeps getting his hand raised. What do you do with Dominic Cruz, right? I mean, it's one of those things where every time you think you can take your eye off him, eh, just give him a couple more. This will figure itself out. Cycle of life of MMA, and he keeps breaking the rule. All right, great. So he's a Tom Brady of MMA. All right, fine. But then look at Cheeto's spot. Cheeto's got to be a little bit frustrated. Now, Cheeto is the only guy to ever beat Sugar Sean. I do not believe that Cheeto is in a number one contender's fight this weekend. I don't think he is. And not because the rankings and not because the matches don't work. I, I think the calendar is against him. Whoever gets the final say has an advantage. And Sugar Sean versus Peter Yan is going to have the final say. Based on when Aljo and Dillashaw match up. I think the calendar is against him. Now, I also don't think, okay, going against my own argument here, but I don't think Sugar Sean and Peter Yan's a number one contenders match. I think it's a number one contenders match for Sean, not a true semifinal. And I know that motivation is going to really take away from Peter Yan. He's going, well, hey, that's not fair. I don't disagree with you, but there's a couple of guys that are in the exact same spot as Peter Yan. Just by example, the truest and clearest number one contender in the entire sport right now, Colby Covington. He is ranked number one. He is the number one contender. Absolutely nobody disputes it. He cannot get a world title fight. And then you find out the rest of the story, and he's already had two, and it's the same guy. And unless we get the belt off, it doesn't open up an opportunity. And I think that we understand that. But I, I feel that Jan is in that same position, with an exception of Aljo getting beat by Dillashaw. So there's just some moving parts. That's all I'm sharing. This is very regular and very standard for MMA. It is not very regular and very standard to have guys of this capacity and of this caliber and to have such unclarity. And let's say that I am right on what I feel to be right. Everybody, everything stays the way it is. I feel if Sugar Sean beats Yon, Sugar Sean's now fighting for a world championship. And that would not matter if Aljo had the belt or TJ had it. Which is a meaningful advantage that Sean has. If Yon wins the fight and Aljo wins the fight, I don't think they're getting matched up. You guys see what I'm saying? And Vera and Cruz are too early is what I think. So think about being in Vera's spot. And Vera has had an amazing career. I wish you guys would go back and look at it. You want to know who else has had an amazing career, but I feel he got, you don't know the story. It's Jared Cannon here. You go back and you look at Jared. He's driving a truck, and he's in Alaska, and he's fighting up at heavyweight. He comes all the way down. I mean, a really interesting story. Really interesting story to make that ascension that he did. But Cheeto Vera's in a similar spot. Cheeto Vera had a record in the UFC that I could bring you. Dozens of guys had the same record and were released. Cheeto Vera, while putting that record together and still get another fight, still having somebody believing in him, giving him an opportunity, needing him, whatever the politics were, however hooker crook that came. Guys that beat Cheeto were released. Guys that beat him aren't even here anymore. He's a main event. I think he's ranked number three in the world. He's got a win by finish over Frankie Edgar, a world champ. I mean, he's in this awesome position, not to mention he's got the win over Sean. So there's a frustration. He's not the only one to be in the spot. I mean, if you guys follow the sport back far enough, you'll remember 
that Chuck and Tito were training partners. And everybody who watched it, including the manager, a man named Dana White, was well aware that Chuck could handle Tito. But they were friends. Tito had a bigger name. Tito had the belt. Keep them away from each other. Finally, Chuck said, man, I can't do this anymore. You're my friend. I like it. And I appreciate all this. But you have a run. I haven't got my opportunity yet. I got, I, I got to get in here and get it. So it's, it's just not the first time that this has happened. But how you're going to navigate it and what you're going to do with it does become very important when you start to look at the calendar, right? It's just, it's one of those spots. It's one of those spots where you, you really got to figure and you really got to calculate. I believe, and again, with the calendar as my friend, looking at the calendar and being aware of where these pieces are, I believe whoever wins between Dom and Cheeto, I believe is going to call for a title shot. It's going to go on deaf ears. Going to be the right thing to do. Going to get a little bit of bounce. And we're going to take a look. We're going to see where Sugar Sean's at. We're going to take a deep breath and it's going to go nowhere. I believe they should position themselves immediately, immediately, right there on ESPN. They should position themselves to become the backup fighter for Aljo versus TJ, which, by the way, is the same night as Sean versus Jan. And it's over in Fight Island. So you get a signed backup position for that fight, the world title fight. You could, you got two chances. Don't come along very often. You're the one, only one over there. Look at what it did for Chemayev. You're the only one over there. You got a license, you're in shape, you're ready to go. And I just think it's the best opportunity. I know that's not what most guys strive for. I know it's a little bit of a swerve and it's not what they want. But if they look at it real objectively, it's something they could get. It's very meaningful. It would be a little bit of a curveball. It would catch on. It is hard to resist, particularly when you understand they're not just willing they officially be in the position to step into the main event. I apologize, the world title fight. But you then have an understanding that you have another featured bout on that same card within the same weight class. I'll step in there too. I think you're going to get the opportunity. And one thing you don't ever want to do in this business is look weak. Don't ever call for a shot that you can't get. Tough. You look weak, you are weak. Requires some thought, requires some strategy. But if I was in the camp of either Cheeto or Dom... I had a good layout. I'm not a sandhag, and I'm paying attention. I know what's going on. I'm publicly calling for that backup position. Are we going to see John Jones back in 2022? What do you guys think? I got to ask this question. I'm asking a little bit of a rhetorical question. I, I would like to hear from you just on a prediction, but that's all it's going to be, right? Yes, no, you're not going to have much evidence. Well, I come to you with no, but I come to you with a little bit of evidence, which is John Jones got to be a pay-per-view. John Jones got to be a main event. If we go look at the calendar, the only month left in the year that is yet to be spoken for is December. And John Jones coming back, and it's a big fight. And boy, I, I, I believe there's going to be an interim championship. Not to mention when you look at December. December happens to be the month. That's, that's when it all, the rubber meets the road as far as it pertains to Francis Ngannou and his contract and his exit clause, how, however that all works. Do, do you book a fight? Do you book a fight a month from now? to do an interim championship when perhaps you don't need one because your undisputed champion comes back. Listen, Michael Bisping made a comment about five weeks ago. Michael Bisping made a suggestion. He said, don't make John Jones versus Stipe. 
So wait, you've already waited too damn long. You've already waited 70% longer than you. I'm adding a couple of words to Bisping, but this was the point that he made. He said, you've already waited so long. Just wait the rest of the way and see what Francis does. Don't worry about this, this interim championship. Either put John in there with Francis, which is what was supposed to happen when John moved up to this weight class in the first place. Then you got Stipe sitting there. Stipe versus Jones works. Okay, great. Stipe doesn't do anything in between. Stipe versus Jones still works. Francis gets to jump on Jones. Stipe goes into Francis. It's true trilogy fight. They uh, split the first two. This was Bisping's suggestion. And the only thing that would hedge a bet against the count was the calendar. It wasn't a terrible idea when he brought it up five weeks ago. Now that we're into the second month removed, I mean, don't forget when you're looking at the calendar year, you're not just talking about five weeks. You're not just talking about skipping and leapfrogging a month. You're talking about 20% of the year being gone. It's very meaningful. And as each day and each week goes by, it does seem to be a little bit more viable. Now, what do you do? Right? You're only as good as the information that you're given. If Dana starts to get a feel, and he's pretty good, he's got to trust his gut, right? Been in this business a long time. He starts to get a feel, hey, I'm gonna, this is going to get worked out with Francis. By the way, it's going to be December. This is going to get worked out with Francis. Let's keep him on ice. I don't want to keep him waiting too long. Let's get him, I mean, it's one of those things where you start jockeying these positions. You start hedging bets for what you can do. Not to mention Bisping's idea does work. I mean, if you're going to do Jones versus Stipe, as far as having a great night of business that we can all look forward to, you, you only get it one night. What's the difference if you do it in Q4 or you do it in Q1 of next year? I mean, in all, in all fairness, what's the difference? You can do it in the same building for the same. Everything's the same. You just, you're just moving it down the line. Nobody in the heavyweight division is speed. I tell you what, if I was in that division, God damn. I got a champion under surgery who is publicly in a dispute saying he's not going to return home. By the way, last time I saw him in a ring, it was somebody else's ring across the pond with a dude that just said he retired. Now they're going to go make up a sport. You better believe you're going to be hearing from me. I would call in every favor, every friend, every day. You would be hearing from me. These heavyweights, man, they don't, they don't care. There's no opportunity. The belt's held up, whatever. I mean, we've never seen a heavyweight division like this. The sport of wrestling, for the first time in history, is unrepresented. Now, that will change when John comes back. John's this dynamic kickboxer and all these things. John is a national champion wrestler. So that will change when John gets licensed. But first time in history, the sport of wrestling is unrepresented. You got some bad old boys up there. You got Tai Tiavasa. I mean, leaps and bounds he's coming along. You got Surreal gone. Dominated 15 men, went undefeated, won a world championship, was never once taken down. I mean, you've got some very impressive guys. You've got Curtis Blades. By the way, I say wrestling isn't represented. Very disrespectful. Curtis Blades has that same national championship that John does. Excuse me. you got some tough guys, but they're not making any waves. I couldn't imagine being in a division that didn't have opportunity. What are we here for? Those guys might have a different answer, by the way. I might be the one playing center field wearing a catcher's mitt. I might be the one that's wrong. Things change. Maybe old Chael's been away too long. It used to be about fighting for championships, or it used to be about being a journey to get to fight for a championship. This was literally the motivation and drive. This is what you aspire to do. They got a belt that's held up twice. It's held up in a contract dispute, and it's held up in an injury. <laughs> they haven't said a word. They haven't said a word about let's get on with it. 
They got a guy that's going to slide into the division named John Jones, who hasn't fought in years. He's not licensed in the division. They all stood back. Boy, you come in here, you're going to be fighting for the championship. I I read that 18 months ago during some press conference when Kevin Ioli asked a question to Dana White. I guess that must just be something. Mean, I, I don't understand it. I don't like it. It frustrates me. It frustrates me that they're not demanding. But in all fairness, we're here to discuss the point that Michael Bispring first brought to us, which is, do you even bother doing Jones versus Stipe now that you've waited so long. It's just a prediction, and we're not saying that fight's not going to happen. We're all very confident that, absent of something that we're unaware, absent of somebody's pending retirement, that we're going to get the match. I'm asking you a little bit more specifically, are we going to get it in 2022? And as each week goes by, you start to defer back to what Michael Bisping predicted in the first place, or at least what he suggested, and he started to look a little more right. If you got Jones available and you got no match lined up and you think you're going to get Francis and now it's just a matter of waiting a little bit more time, I think you probably wait it. And if we are going to get it in 2022, it's got to go in December on the card that's not announced. I don't think they're going to throw that fight together that fast. I don't think that. When would be a next announcement they could make that? Next pay-per-view, August 23rd, Salt Lake City, Usman versus Leon. They drop a B-roll in there, so that's going to get August to September to October to November to... Yeah, okay, you could do it. You, you could definitely do it. There's still four months left in the year. All right, see, and I was thinking there was three. But I still want to predict it. I would not predict that you would put Stipe and Jones and the only card that you can, the only card that's even still available, which is December, which happens to be the same month that Francis is coming back. I mean, right, what do you want to go count your rotten eggs? Think if we knew that Francis was done and we don't have that opportunity, we've already gotten on with it. I'm just making a prediction. I'm just making a guess. But it is it is one of those key spots. It looks like you've got a very meaningful round robin right there. And you get to keep that round robin. You get to keep that little elitist club of Jones, who's never done it, Stipe, who was carried out the last time he did it, and Francis, who says he doesn't want to do it anymore. I mean, you get to keep that little elitist club until somebody comes in and enters it. You're never going to be invited to the cool kids' table. You're going to pull up a chair and sit down, and if somebody has a problem, then you can remove me, or you won't. That's the way this works. It's called the fight business. We don't have a damn heavyweight that's fighting for anything. Surreal gone who has not spoken since what should have been the biggest night in heavyweight history. He has not spoken save one time where he said he would like to fight for the interim championship. Now, I got to give him credit. I know I'm very hard on Surreal, but he at least said the words. Nobody else has even said anything. Stipe and Jones, which we all believe, we're saying that that's going to be at a minimum for an interim championship and possibly elevated to an undisputed championship. We're saying those that those guys haven't said it. Their trainers haven't said it. Their managers haven't said it. It's a very peculiar spot. Curtis Blades was a hard matchup for anybody and just had a tremendous victory over who I believe might be the, the shining star of the whole division of Tom Aspinall. Either way, and whatever happened in the knee and the whole bit, Curtis got his hand raised while I'm in a main event in enemy territory. Good for Curtis, but then he goes to the post-fight press conference and says something about, I'm not going to put this on the line. I'm not going to fight until... There was some kind of a caveat there. I get the guy has a right to change his mind. I'm just sharing for Nobody's talking about championships. Nobody's talking about bringing the belt back. Nobody's about, uh, Francis, you and Tyson, you can both go shove it up your ass. We don't need you in the first place. Nobody, Nobody's trying to crack some eggs to make an omelet here. And you don't do it out of respect, by the way. 
Please don't tell me a comment these guys are respect. It has nothing to do with respect. They don't do it because they're scared of Francis. They don't do it because they're scared of John. Make no mistake. It's 100% why they don't do it. Even when you have that little coward inside of you, but then you have a brain, right? You got these two organs working in conflict. Your heart, right? You got to go see the scarecrow. You got to go see the wizard. You don't want to upset Francis and you don't want to upset John. Well, then your brain's got to step in and say, John Jones isn't licensed and Francis might not be coming back. So whether I mean it or not, whether I got any ammo in these pistols, I'm coming out firing. I'm going to capture headlines. I'm going to be the first one to say it. I'm going to get in front of this thing. I'm going to look like my career and my division matters to me. Easy pickings. Sail right on through. Be the only one to do it. We have sat on the perennial division, which is the heavyweight class, unattended with a champion. And we have nobody except me who's got no standing in the matter even suggesting perhaps we should revisit that. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And remember, I'm here every Wednesday and Friday breaking down all the biggest stories in combat sports. We got a great UFC card coming up this weekend. And on Friday, I'm going to give you my official prediction for Cheeto Vera versus Dominic Cruz. And tell that I'm Chael Sonnen. And you are welcome. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.